Hello, I'm Julie Swenson, Managing Director of Forward Theatre Company in Madison, Wisconsin. And I'm Mike Fisher, Milwaukee-based theatre writer and dramaturg. I'm Jen Apoff gray Founder and Artistic Director of Forward Theatre Company. And this is Theatre Forward, a twice-monthly conversation about theatre from a local, regional, and national perspective. From Madison to Manhattan, we're excited to share insight into our own company while exploring issues surrounding theater in the Midwest and around the country. Welcome to episode 75 oh, of Theater Forward. That's a milestone, all right. folks. I'm so happy we're all here together and not on Zoom to record <laughs> yes. this episode. Yay. Um, and in this episode, we are revisiting one of our prior discussions on this podcast, and that is the subject of talkbacks. There have been some really thought-provoking articles published in recent months on this topic, and we wanted to circle back around on this subject that's really near and dear to our hearts here at Forward. And I'll, I'll just start by saying... When we pick topics for this podcast, we're, we're really trying to be inspired by the conversations that we as a staff of a small regional professional theater company have around the office. What are the things that really engage us that we all kind of leave our desks and gather around to chat about? And one of those really um, robust conversations happened uh, a few months ago, inspired by an article, an opinion piece in American Theater Magazine uh, this past December called Everything in Moderation, Rethinking the Talkback by Jenna. Clark Embry. And I'll, I'll just, I want to read the very uh, beginning intro that she um, used for this article. Um, she, it was a quote from a Twitter that said, write a horror story for your industry using just four words, prompted the popular business Twitter account at Morning Brew. And then she lists a few. Stay for the talkback. Actually, it's a comment. Please join us afterwards. And questions from the audience? Uh, and then and then proceeded to do a pretty in-depth uh, look at um, at talkbacks. And this uh, article was shared widely amongst all the theater people that I know across the country in various aspects, um, various positions within our field. Um, and prompted a tremendous amount of discussion, which is ironic, I guess, because it's about discussion. Uh, and and American theater even went so far as to do another post uh, the following month featuring some of the letters that they'd received because there were a lot of them. So, uh, so that's the, the jumping off point mm -hmm. for this conversation. Uh, and we thought it really prompted us to, to re-examine and, and discuss in some detail the way we do talkbacks here at Forward. I think um, listeners to this podcast know um, one of our kind of signature things is that we have talkbacks after every single performance except for opening night. And um, just for some logistics, those are usually very short, 15 to 20 minutes long. Um, I moderate just about all of them when I can't be there. It's another member of our staff, usually you, Julie, um, moderating them. Um, most of the cast generally joins for those, and they are not um, sort of scripted talkbacks. It's not a sort of presentation. It's more what does the audience want to ask about. And we typically get half or more of our audience staying for those. Um, and we, in general, I think, feel they're pretty great, but but this article certainly prompted us to re-examine. I would say this article, you you um, sort of described it as a as a conversation about talkbacks, but I think it had a very serious bent in the negative. True. And, and I would say too that um, we have all been, let's be honest, we have all been to really terrible talkbacks. Oh yeah. Um, you know, not forward sometimes, mm -hmm. um, but you know, I think audiences have become a little bit more savvy, but my goodness, there was a time when, you know, do you like drama or comedies best was a pretty, 
Pretty standard How question. do you learn those lines? How do you learn those lines? Pretty standard question. And I think what I loved um, with our staff and talking about it is we now have an audience that has gone beyond those very basic questions. And I think they're more savvy in terms of a talkback audience. And they're thinking while they watch a show, what are my questions going to be? So I think they're thoughtful, um, interesting. Uh, we don't get a lot of the, um, uh, the questions that will tip an actor, you know, uh, to want to run off stage. But I do think a lot of those points are valid. Mm -hmm. And putting actors after having done, a, you know, an emotionally wrought show or just a, a show for 90 minutes or two and a half hours to then come back out and talk about it can be arduous. I will give them that. Um but I also think that theater is for audiences and this talk back, especially at Forward, is so valuable and helps people understand the play better and they go away with a better appreciation of what they just saw. So I, I don't believe that we should throw it out as this article is advocating. Yeah, I think part of what really was engaging us um, as a staff is the, um, I mean, let's be blunt, the vehemence of the original article against talkbacks right. and not just saying I don't like them or I've been to a bunch of really lame ones or they're not fair to artists, but but really saying, going much further and saying mm -hmm. that that having talkbacks is abusive um, and not to say that it can't be, right? right. But um, so can pretty much everything mm -hmm. uh, under the wrong conditions um, and saying that it's really um, unreasonable for an audience to have any expectation of engagement with an artist, that that is not a fair thing to ask. Um, and and this, that structure really, I think, struck a lot of us because we tend to think here about our work as being extremely audience-centric in that mm -hmm. we see ourselves as a service organization. We're here to provide Art And that doesn't mean that treating our artists with respect, paying them well, creating a safe and encouraging space, that that's not important to us, but that, you know, when you're a professional theater and people are buying tickets, that we are, we are there to serve them, whether they like the play or not. Right. right? Um, and so it, it was interesting to see how some of our colleagues in the field really picked up on the vehemence of the original article and sort of called into question mm -hmm. what felt like a kind of one-sided to me. I don't think you can just, that's, that's the, that's the time we're in right now is that, um, and I, and I know we have to go to extremes before we get back in the middle, but, but these, these articles of, and now we must not do this anymore categorically applies to everyone who is doing theater is just, it's not a fair it, it's not fair to ask, and it's and um, there are probably some people who shouldn't be doing talkbacks, but forward will continue because <laughs> I think we do decent ones. What do you think, Mike? I mean, I think you know, I'm I didn't the article didn't seem vehement to me. The article actually seemed fair, um, and I didn't get from the article at all her saying um, that we shouldn't do talkbacks. I think she thought they needed to be rethought, and I'm. You know, it's funny. It's been three years since we talked about this on this podcast. I'm sort of where I was then. I mean, if there's anything, 
you know, you're always supposed to lead with the positive, Mike. So here's the positive. <laughs> if there's anything that has won me over to the idea of TalkBack serving a useful purpose, it's what I've seen at Forward and the evolution that that the two of you have talked about uh, into generally, I don't think it's as universal as I think either of you are suggesting, more sophisticated talkbacks from uh, involving forward audiences. I don't think that's always true. I still think, as I said three years ago, I think there's a, an amen chorus aspect to talkbacks. I still think there's a lot of very simplistic questions. Um, I still think there's questions that are hard on actors, but I think it's a lot better. And I think it's a, a lot better here than it was, say, 10 years ago, and a lot better at forward than it is just about everywhere where I hear talkbacks because of the regular practice that Jen's talking about involving uh, our audience. I struggle with them because I think that, um, I, as I said, I think there's an amen chorus aspect to them where everybody's just talking about how wonderful everything is, which I don't find useful in terms of a real discussion about a play. Uh, I also, um, Yeah, I guess I'll just leave it at leave leave it at that for now. I mean, some of the really good things that can come out of them when they work, they're, they're wonderful. I mean, in the ideal world, theater is a communal experience. A talkback is part of making that right. making that happen. Um, so when they work, they're great. They're just that that ideal doesn't get reached as much for me as maybe it does for the two of you. The two of you see far more talkbacks at forward than I do. Well, to be fair, and I but, think I think your your perspective there is really fair, Mike. And I think maybe where we differ is more about having a different goal for what the purpose of those talkbacks is. Because I think what you're craving is a really intelligent, thoughtful, sophisticated conversation about the play. And we sometimes get questions that lead to that. And sometimes we don't. That's totally true. Um, I was really struck and I um, have lifted this from a Facebook post from uh, a David Armstrong. If this is you listening, thank you, uh, who commented on American Theater's thread when they first posted this article. And he um, he got at it. What I really have always thought is the main purpose of our talkbacks, which is that um, it's 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 about inviting the audience in to understand how theater is made and therefore creating a more knowledgeable, passionate, and invested theater audience. Mm -hmm. For me, it's less about are we getting good feedback um, about the play or, or making more sophisticated the audience's understanding of um, what the playwright was intending. It's about what are you thinking about? What are you wondering about after you've seen this? And if it's an opportunity for you to understand what goes into making professional theater, you are automatically a more informed patron for the next play that you go see. I see it as an investment in our community and an investment in our audience. It's something that um, that we do to nurture them. And I think the audiences that come to our talkbacks are more adventurous and more, more interested in seeing challenging material. And, and that is a very virtuous cycle, as far as I'm concerned. The, David Armstrong's particular quote, he was saying, you know, 99% of the scores or hundreds of talkbacks that I've led or participated in in my over 40 years in the professional theater have been entirely positive experiences for the cast, artistic team, and the audience members that participated. Inviting the audience behind the scenes of the creative and production process is crucial in creating interested, involved, and dedicated theater goers. If there is a problematic 1% of talkback experiences, then let's figure out how to fix those rather than throw out this very useful tool in creating audiences. Mm -hmm. And that's very much my take on talkbacks. Mm -hmm. um, and I also think that, you know, the article, um, and I don't think that this is, um, I don't mean this is a critique of, of the original author. The ar article does, I think, sometimes conflate 
talkbacks of very different circumstances. You know, we very only very occasionally are doing like a script that's in development where you might actually be trying to solicit input to help the development of a piece. We almost never do that here. And when we do, we try to really structure the talk back a bit more to be protective of the artists mm -hmm. involved. Um, that's very different from, hey, you just saw a play. What, what kind of things do you want to talk about with us and with each other about? Um, she does go on to mm -hmm. talk about um, panel discussions as an right. alternative. And I think there's great value in panel discussions, but it's not the same thing. Right. I mean, to your point, Mike, uh, you know, and I, I may have overstated things a little bit with vehemence, but like one direct quote from Embry's original article is, um, if we want artists to share their creative process and we also want audiences to voice their thoughts, we must come to terms with the fact that those two things need not and indeed should not occur within the same event. I, I, I take issue with that. I think, um, I think that's a pretty... Saying these things should not happen seems pretty. Well, but, but that's, an, if, as I recall in the article, that's in the context of her talking about how irate um, her audiences have gotten. And this, this is somebody, you know, for the context for our audience, who's led more than 100, I think she said, talkbacks herself as a mm -hmm. dramaturg. Um, and audiences get really upset if creatives don't come on stage, uh, if, if actors who are just in the show don't come on stage, as though they are entitled wow. to access to those. I do think that's a real problem. And I think an alternative model, one I, I wouldn't mind seeing us explore once in a while, is to have different ways of doing things. Having on the few occasions when Jen crosses over that invisible line and is actually directive and facilitative because something somebody raises something that that just sparks with her. And I get to hear that incredibly fantastic artistic director slash director in many cases cases brain sharing with the audience. That to me, those are some of my best memories of talkbacks. Or as you don't get unless I think Jen, you share this with the audience, really great um, discussions about design, which the actors on stage often, you know, will touch on at the edges, and then you often will amplify in ways that I think are really interesting. Those kinds of things would be great. I'd like to see more talkbacks led by dramaturgs. Of course, on this podcast, I'm going to speak up for dramaturgs. I'd like to see more talkbacks that are facilitative rather than open-ended. And partly this is to go to another point that's raised in the article is the question of pay. Um, I mean, the author raises the issue of we see a white American theater demanding that people are paid for talkbacks and the pressure not be placed on artists to participate in them. And look, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, indirectly, despite the fact that this organization bends over backwards to tell people they do not have to participate in talkbacks, there is still a tacit pressure to participate. It's not anything that we're doing wrong in terms of how we're messaging. It's just the nature of the beast. And, you know, it adds up to the, almost over the course of a run, a workday for which you are not paid at the rate at which you are you're not paid at all um, for work that you are doing after you have just gone through a performance that is exhausting multi hours. And I just I well, I struggle with that. And I think if there was not can, always an expectation. Can I also <laughs> say, too, as an actor, uh, <laughs> actors don't go home and go to sleep. They either go out for drinks or they do something social because there's a time they Some need to they need to decompress. For many actors, going doing a talk back is the perfect way to decompress and talking about the play that they just did. I, you know, I don't that's what I'm saying. I don't want to do what what this article is doing and and cover all actors, you know, with this wide brush that there are a tremendous amount. I mean, I, I can list people we've worked with that are jumping 
to go do that talk back because they love talking about the play and they love hearing what the audience is thinking about their performance or about the production values or whatever it is. I, but I, I mean, the point is really well taken. And honestly, Mike, that aspect, the the is there the implied pressure? That was one of the deepest conversations we went into as a staff mm-hmm. after reading this article. We'd actually kind of already talked about it before this article came out, but it it, it kind of jump started right. um, it into a, a more serious conversation because, yeah, we're very clear that the talkbacks are optional, but we also recognize that because they're such a big part of what we do at Forward, it does come with... Um, an implied expectation. And so as we go forward, we've actually changed how we do our contracting. And in our contracts, we're saying there is an expectation that you are participating in this talk back. Our pay is way above our peers at, at, at similar sized companies. And it's not, I mean, for us with a fifth, the actors usually come out halfway through the talk back. So you figure they're there 10 or 15 minutes times 16 performances. So they're adding like two or three hours total over the run of a show to participate in our talkbacks. And we pay them way more uh, than they would get at but a comparable But that's pay theaters. they would get anyway, right? I mean, that's that's but, part of but, the- well, that, But that's why we're changing it and saying, if you would like to take this this job, we're, we're actually trying to work this into some of the expectations. And it doesn't mean that if you're having a bad day or you're not feeling well, that we're not going to excuse you from- doing it. And maybe this won't be the way we always address this. We are we are trying to evolve based yeah. on feedback that we're getting. If the expectation, if we're saying you don't have to do it and what we're hearing back from artists is, yeah, but we feel like we need to anyway. And if we are also, as a company that sees ourselves as here to serve the audience, if we recognize that our audience supports our work and our, arti- our, our artists in part because we do these talkbacks that make them feel more connected to what we do as a community-centered company, we need these talkbacks. We need artists that will participate in them. And so it becomes, so what we're trying for this next season is being much more upfront and, and saying, we, we wanted to, to just leave it to you, but if you're saying that's a little too, a little too wishy-washy, then let's be really explicit and say, we, we believe, you know, we are paying, we are not paying you the minimum for our contract level. We are paying above, above that. And, and we will still work with you if there are, if you, if this is something you really don't want to do, if this is something you're really uncomfortable or you have a bad day or you have to drive to Milwaukee that night, whatever, we're trying to say, let's make it more explicit and see how people feel about that. And putting it up front in the contract so that they know that and this, work, this work, this um, work is this talk back is part of the work I will be doing when I come to forward. Right. Well, and that feels good instead of, you know, kind of letting them know at some point during the rehearsal process that I we mean, do that. Maybe what we could do, or maybe what other theater companies could do to take it outside of the context of forward, which does think conscientiously about, about these things. I know it does. Um, it could be like when you fill out your tax return, which a lot of people are doing right now, and you get to check that little box that, you know, $5 of your taxes are <laughs> going to go to the, uh, to help support uh, publicly funded elections. And if our audience cares about this, then maybe that's something in terms of a donation. Would, you know, you could have a default option saying, you know, you've given to Forward, thank you so much. How would you feel, you know, if you check this box, you know, point 0.01% of your donation will go toward a talkback fund? How do you feel about that? And I bet you a lot of people would check that box for the very reason that that both of you are saying, which is our audiences clearly really love this. Um, Or if you want to, again, take it out of the context of forward, maybe other theater companies that aren't paying above scale could do something like that to ensure that there is a a, a fund 
for stipends or for some sort of additional monies mm -hmm. that could be paid. I just, I would feel better about it. I would still feel to take it out of the issue of pay better if not every single talk back was the same format of open-ended and a bunch of actors on stage. If you had talkbacks with designers, if you had talkbacks with dramaturgs, if you had facilitated talkbacks where you're directing audiences toward discussions. Because Jen, you're right, I do crave that, but I'm not the only one who would crave genuine, heady discussion after a play. And maybe it's not for every performance, just like it doesn't have to be actors lined up in a row in chairs at every performance. We could mix it up. Right. But I mean, when you do them after every performance, you're. I, I would push back and say, my goal is to serve the desires of the people who are at that performance, right? And that's why we let them be audience driven. And we do a lot of outside of talkback events that go into lectures and panel discussions and things things like that. So if we, if we pre-schedule and say, this one's only designers, then only the people coming to that particular performance get that one. You know what I mean? It's, it, it, it's complicated, but I, I, I did want to make sure that we circled back to another um, really important critique of talkbacks and one that I do think um, is relevant to us here, especially at Forward and one that we've actually been working on for a couple of years. So predating um, this article and, and, and predating, we see white American theater as well. And that is the, um, the fact that that talkbacks uh, that involve artists of color in front of predominantly white audiences are much more problematic mm -hmm. and um, have have great greater potential to do harm. Yes, uh, and uh, I know for sure that we have inadvertently caused harm to some of the artists that work with us in in past seasons. We've tried very very hard to learn from that and to um, sort of create language and expectations and processes that uh, prevent future harm um, to the best of our abilities. Um, but that's, I mean, that is a really valid thing. Uh, to me, it doesn't negate the value of, of that conversation right. to get all of us moving forward, if I can use the pun. Um, but there is, but that is something that we, as a field, I think, have only recently started to really recognize because there has been a dramatic push to um, to tell more stories by and about communities of color, to feature more and more artists of color on stage, directing, designing, etc. Um, but that for the majority of professional theater companies in this country, and certainly for forward, our audiences are predominantly white and our communities are predominantly white. Right. And that we don't want that to stop us from telling more diverse stories, but it does mean that you um, uh, risk putting, putting your artists into um, at best really what could be really uncomfortable circumstances. And so there's, there's not a one size fits all fix to that, mm -hmm. but recognizing that that's an issue and one that we have to, um, educate ourselves, prepare ourselves, develop good language and good uh, approaches um, to protect those artists without giving up the opportunity for conversation that does send the audience home wiser and maybe more empathetic than they were when they got there. And that mm -hmm. that's obviously part of the goal. Um, I don't know if I'm, I'm well, describing not, it well. That's right. not work that's right. that will ever be done. That's no, work ongoing. that you continue. It's ongoing. And there will always be um, 
some question lobbed that could potentially cause harm. And that and the what we're working on now is what is what is our reaction as the moderator or as the person on stage. Right. That's that's got to be the difference between is this is this something that's going to be hurtful for a long time or is this a quick now we've got it. Yep. Um and you know and when you do have these open ended um talkbacks or the, you know, uh, open topic talkbacks, you're always opening yourself up for that. And yeah, you know, I think that is, that is of a concern. And I, I am hoping that anybody who is running talkbacks is having these conversations and how do you, how do you make sure that you are not being harmful to your actors? Well, I mean, I think we're all on the same page on this point. I mean, theater isn't, despite the fact that this word gets used a lot, it can't be if, if, if it's going to exist at all, the quote unquote safe space, the way that term is often used, it is by by definition dangerous in terms of the material that's on stage and in terms of the way we all talk about it. And we're all going to screw up and we're all going to make mistakes. And Julie, to your point, if we can at least step on them and try and mm-hmm. stop them. right? And Gemma, I've seen that. I haven't seen the ones with, with BIPOC artists. I mean, I've heard about some of the talkbacks here where that was an issue, but I have seen you step on mansplainers because another problem <laughs> with, with talkbacks is that the people who like to talk all the time anyway and tend to dominate conversation. And I've seen this happen at Forward tend yeah. to start dominating the conversation. And I think you do an excellent job at sort of shutting that down so that you're creating a space where more voices can be heard. It's a variation on that on that theme. I have to say, Mike, they're not all, you know, amen um, courses, as you mentioned. We had a woman the other day who um, would have re-blo- would have blocked the play differently. awesome but but see what was so great about that conversation Uh i mean but i loved that she said that because we have a very deep thrust stage right and she said you know it bothered me that i sometimes had an actor with their back to me and it was an incredible educational opportunity to say yeah we know but this is a thrust space theater which means that almost everybody at some point is looking at somebody's back but not always. And the goal is to keep it moving. And you can argue about some plays and productions do that better than others. But that was an incredible educational opportunity. Mm-hmm. That patron knows more about what blocking means right. and what a thrust stage requires than she did before. I always think that those are so exciting because she wasn't being nasty about no, it not or me. And she mm-hmm. was like, hey, I, I thought this could have been different. And then we talked right. about why it wasn't. And it was wonderful. Yep. Um, I do want to share, and I think that um, just as I think some of the language in the original article went a little farther than I might personally mm-hmm. have gone, uh, this letter that was written to American theater maybe is a little farther in the other direction. But I do want to share it as an example of, I think, the passion that people are bringing to this. And this was a letter from Carrie Perloff, who was the artistic director emerita at um, American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco. And she wrote a lengthy defense of what talkbacks can accomplish and went into great detail about some incredible sounding talkbacks that Olympia Dukakis used to lead. (laughs) Um, But in talking about um, Olympia Dukakis, uh, this is what Perloff writes. She said, she knew that the more we let audiences in on the process, the more difficult it was for them to simply dismiss what they'd seen. It didn't always work. But if we're so thin-skinned, we can't take criticism or listen to an opposing point of view. If it's a form of oppression just to ask artists to sit on stage and listen to an audience for 20 minutes, then surely we have to ask, why are we making the work to begin with? How can we expect members of the public to advocate for the theater and to support it if we seem dismayed when they actually have something to say about it? 
Yeah. That's pretty well said. That's yes. Agreed. Fantastic. So, yes. so as is so often, I think my role in these conversations, like, yes, and yes, <laughs> right. there are many examples of, as you said at the beginning, Julie, and maybe I'm looking at the clock, maybe we should start to wrap this up, but there are many examples of painfully boring talkbacks. And Mike, there are many examples of people who say things that make everybody else sitting there want to just, you know, groan or roll their eyes back in their head. And there's many, you know, times that um, talkbacks can be frustrating. They can also be, and frequently for me are, the very best part of what we do. Um, And I have heard that just as I've certainly heard from some actors who work with us who are like, ah, I'm just, I'm so nervous to talk back, so I don't like it or I'm too tired. And I 100% support that and I'm okay with that. But I've had artists say this is their favorite place to work because of that, because they get to engage in dialogue with the audience. They get to feel the impact of the work that they do. The tikkun olam aspect of what we do as theater makers, the ways in which we repair the world. And you get to see that viscerally upfront when you're at a good talk back. So um, so let's not let bad practices continue right. and let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. No talk back on that. I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to ask a stupid question. No, <laughs> all good. Yes. Um, no such thing as a stupid question. Um, but I think with that, we yes. will say that that is all for this episode of Theater Forward, a conversation about theater in Wisconsin, the Midwest and America. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Jen Opoff-Gray. And I'm Julie Swenson. And I'm Mike Fisher. Our podcast is produced by Scott Hayden. He dices, he splices. He will be on stage in our next production of Russian Troll Farm. In addition to all the other amazing things he does. Um, you can you can watch that show, and you can also follow us and get ready for it and share your thoughts on Facebook and Twitter at Theater Forward. As always, drum roll please with an ER. And if you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you might tune in. And please, please, Please leave a comment. We would love to hear from you. We're so grateful to have you listening, and we will be back soon for another Theater Forward conversation.